You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Becky and Susan from Central Florida. Wesley DeVore is a 25-year music industry veteran who got her start as a studio assistant for Nine Inch Nails at Nothing Studios in New Orleans. She has worked as an audio engineer, music producer, film composer, and contractor, wiring several professional studios, including Central Command in North Hollywood. For the last 15 years, DeVore has worked for Personas and is currently the marketing manager for the popular audio brand. She is also the author of the Clementine Tolandano Mysteries. Welcome, Wesley. Thank you. Welcome, hey, Wesley. Maybe I won't say it as a question. <laughs> Wes- <laughs> Wilco? I don't know. <laughs> Yay, Wesley's here. <laughs> hey. What's up, Wesley? How are you? What's up, ladies? It's good to see y'all. I haven't seen Susan for, ye- what? two three yeah. years ago yeah mm-hmm. it's been a minute basically pandemic times all around yep mm-hmm. i got to see becky mm-hmm. last was it two months ago Our yeah it was super awesome was fun. we had a little adventure Matching in austin tats. and all all got tattooed <laughs> adorable <laughs> like like we're 20 year olds it was awesome <laughs> there may have been some alcohol <laughs> involved but we're not going to talk about that <laughs> Mostly on Wesley's part. Not at the time. It was the result. That was like a lot of hangover talk. Like, we're all hungover. Nothing, because nothing feels better when you're hungover than getting that. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Making smart decisions all up here in our 40s, aren't we? Uh, Anyways. Right, man. That's how we do. Living your best life. YOLO. (laughs) YOLO. Oh, man. Awesome. Saying YOLO already. I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to backtrack a minute. So we we yeah. met Wesley at the first Sound Girls Expo that we did in Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. And she came out and did the whole thing on Personas and showed us the new console and things like that. And I quickly realized that Wesley has more information in her brain than I could ever possibly fathom putting in mine. And all <laughs> then it's like finding out more about what she does every day, what you do every day, uh, just blew my mind, like how you got started in this business. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how in the world did you yeah, get you involved? Yeah, you got started with Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> right. <laughs> to start. That's what I want to know. Like, yeah. How do you start in New start. Orleans with Nine Inch Nails in their studio? <laughs> um, well, I got a degree in music technology, and then I'd moved to New Orleans, and um I was had a friend and we were driving around uptown. He goes, Oh yeah, that's where Trent Reznor lives. His studio is like right around the corner. And I was like, Whoa, pump the brakes. Because my dream was to work with Alan Mulder and Trent Reznor. That's why I became, you know, got a music technology degree. And so I was working at the notarial archives in the basement of city hall at the time, restoring documents. And so I went in and I looked up the public record for his house, which led me to every other property that he owned. And so I got the address of the studio. And that's <laughs> And um, I came home for work yes. one day, and um, this I got a phone call from uh, Brian, the uh, studio manager. And he's like, hey, I'm Brian. I'm the studio manager over at Nothing. And I was like, this is a friend pranking me. And I called them back, <laughs> and they brought me in and interviewed me. And, um, I mean, I wore a freaking suit, <laughs> like, which impressed them because all the other people they interviewed their job, like, you know, we're like schlubby goth kids. And, um, <laughs> I, uh, so I got a job as a runner, like studio, studio assistant. I was essentially a runner. Um, 
and, you know, making Trent's disgusting uh, raspberry and chocolate flavored coffee, which is a smell that I never smell ever again. Um, You know, (laughs) zeroing out the SSL, honey tape machines, soldering patch bays, mostly making coffee, walking dogs, fetching food. Uh, occasionally getting them to the next level in some zombie apocalypse game they were playing that they mm-hmm. couldn't beat. <laughs> That's what I did. Um, it was super That's fun. Awesome. Uh, I mean, they're all wonderful people, and I got to work with all of. I got to work with meeting Alan was like a huge thing for me because he was such like the reason that I wanted to be an audio engineer in the first place. And um, it was kind of funny when we met because you know I met him and. And Trent at the same time, and I was all cool. I was like, I'm going to be cool meeting Trent Reznor. I'm not going to be an asshole. And um, so I, like, shook his hand. I was like, hey, how's it going? And then he's like, yeah, this is Alan. I had no idea what Alan Mulder looked like, right? This is before the internet. And so I just knew Alan Mulder. He's like, this is Alan Mulder. He's our engineer. And I was like, oh, my God. I, like, completely fangled. <laughs> you went from composed to holy shit. <laughs> Lost your mind. Music an audio engineer, and oh my god, I love all your records. And I like freaked out. And Trent's like a rock star here, like Kai, I'm a rock star. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that was that was it. And um, I worked for. So, them would you much. advocate for stalking to to you know meet your idols? Because I'm just <laughs> I advocate stalking to get a job for sure. <laughs> all right, all right. Do what I have failed, do, obviously. Man. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> we at Girls don't endorse That's that. That's one but of my favorite stories. Do. <laughs> from- <laughs> you, do. you want the big gig, you gotta like go for it. Oh. Yeah. Um, anyway, so- I worked for them for a couple of years and then I moved on to work for Tony C, who's a songwriter. She wrote uh, a bunch of Jocelyn Brown hits and I was her assistant engineer for another couple of years. That's how I got my How did start. you get into wiring studios from there? Um, money. I needed money. Um, <laughs> and uh, so when I worked, <laughs> lived in New Orleans, um, while Nails was out on the Fragile Tour, the studios essentially shut down. And so I got a job at uh, a guitar center in Harahan um, selling pro audio gear, and I was not very good at it. And uh, so to supplement my uh, very meek commission checks um i started wiring people's like little home studios and stuff which kind of got me into bigger studios working for like john cleary and um terrence blanchard and um some of the nevels just doing like more like studio maintenance and wiring midi rigs and things like that and then um just um you know that that was because how I made money on the side, had a little business of my own. And then when I moved to California, I uh, met the owners of Central Command at NAM. I was uh, the booth babe for Audix. <laughs> so I was like talking <laughs> I to I didn't know you were a booth babe. I was a booth babe, Amazing. but I actually knew about microphones, so nobody really knew what to make of me. They'd come <laughs> up and be like, hey, honey, can you find me someone who can talk to me about this microphone? I'm like, sure, what do you want to know? And they're just like, Whoa. but um yeah, so I met the owner of Central Command, and he needed someone to wire a studio, and that was really, like, my first big gig, and um, I may have exaggerated how much I knew about wiring studios to get it, but I got it, and uh, I did a good job. No buzz in the patch bay, so. Nicely done. Wow. I, I couldn't have yeah. done the same, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> 
I was in a solder class once and I, I ended up making um, solder figurines in a whole band shell on a little stage. That's what I that's how I learned how to solder. Oh man, there's a guy, That's one of the technicians adorable. at Presonus, when he takes all the bad parts because he does the repairs and he makes, he does that. He solders them into little, um, so he's, he's, does, he's done, made, uh, he's made instruments, he's made people playing instruments, he's made people riding bikes, motorcycles, cars, and there's just like this little gallery back in our warehouse of oh my all these, like, cool things that he's made. It's, it's pretty amazing. I need to meet this guy. <laughs> Sounds like we have something in common. Like, I know. I want to like do like he has, like sell sell them on their shop and help fund his kids' college. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so after soldering studios and doing all of that work, how'd you get into the marketing side of everything? Um, that was a, that's a very long path. I mean, I was always on the technical side because of my audio engineering background and. You know, um, my own like work, um, you know, in my band and then writing film scores and things like that. And so um, when my band and I moved out to Hollywood um, to be rock stars, obviously that that worked well. Um, I uh, (laughs) I think you're another job. I am a rock star. <laughs> That's right. That's I uh, took a job at another guitar center because, you know, the guitar center is, a, I think, a secondary addiction for all starving musicians. <laughs> it's like the bad boy thing you keep going back to. And, um, so I was working at guitar center. <laughs> That's a perfect the guitar way to center describe that. It's so true, man. And like every time it got a Poor little better, like I made a little bit more more money at the Torrance one. And then I made a lot of money when I worked in Hollywood. Um, so I was like, yeah, I can do this. And I was making other money, like teaching people how to use gear. And so I left Guitar Center finally. Um, and I worked for East West um, running their tech support. Um, and that's um, – I had planned, my band imploded and I had planned to move back to New Orleans because I didn't really enjoy living in Los Angeles. And I had this big gig uh, wiring a studio down on Rancho Palos Verdes and um, I was going to pay like 10 grand. And I was like, cool, I'll have some money in my pocket. I can move back to New Orleans. Everything will be cool. And on the first day of the job, Katrina hit New Orleans. And so wow. I was stranded and desperately like homesick and, um, that's when I started working for East West because I was like, I just can't do sales anymore. It's too much pressure. And all of my friends from New Orleans were just kind of wandering into Guitar Center Hollywood, all shell-shocked. And I just, it was, I just couldn't. So um, while I was working for East West, I remembered a little company called Personas that was just starting out in Baton Rouge. And I was like, hmm, you know, I wonder if they're still in Baton Rouge. I know they've, they've grown a lot and um, did the same thing. Stocked them online and sent in a resume and just for tech support. And I got a response back saying, wow, you are grossly overqualified to be our tech, a tech support person here. Um, would you like to be tech support manager? And so they offered me the customer support manager job and moved me back to Baton Rouge. And um, I did that for a little bit. And then they tapped me to be a product manager. And I managed the original Studio Live mixers and the fader ports and a bunch of other things. And... Um, while I was doing that, I always wrote the manuals for the products. It started in like customer support because um, it was basically a way to take the burden away from my tech support, my crew to have better manuals. And so then they tapped me to be documentation manager. And then finally, um, Jim Boytnot, um, our CEO at the time, was like, hey, um, 
you're really good at talking about our products and marketing them. Why don't you be our product marketing manager? And um, so that was in 2019, and it's been really great. Um, I mean, I got promoted to director of marketing after the first year, and then we got acquired by um, Fender. And so it's everybody's title shift, but um, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's been a fun job. Marketing is my favorite that I've done at Personas of all the jobs. It's definitely my favorite job. That's so cool. We uh, talk to a lot of people that have switched jobs throughout their careers, kind of like you have, you know, from engineering into uh, marketing or whatever, but like letting younger women know that there is a path out there that isn't necessarily engineering, you know, but it's something you can get involved in still in audio. And you do a lot of work in the audio industry, I think is a great, great thing to just kind of show people like you can change throughout your, your path in life and you and that's okay and sometimes like you said it, you find that it's something you love way more than whatever else would have been and it works for you right now you know got you closer to home and, and there's all so that many different stuff, jobs so. right so many different paths that you can take and then switch it up later on I think that's the best part because, I mean, I still, like, do some engineering. I mean, I'll still mix a band every once in a while, and I'll still work on my own music. Um, But it's just, you know, it's not the hours that, you know, being an audio engineer in the studio, for me, it was just, you know, I didn't have a life. It was, like, 12 hours a day in the studio, and you're living for other people's music, which is great. But eventually, it's just like, man, I'd really like to be able to go out with my friends on a Saturday. And um, I'd really like to be able to wake up and have brunch on a Sunday and not have gone to bed at four o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. for me, it was it's it's been great, but I still get to be in it, you know, and, and be around all the stuff that I love. Um, That's awesome. I kind of want to blow up your spot and tell everybody that she also sings really amazing. Like, I don't even know what it's called. I don't know. <laughs> she scream yells sings. Like, what is that called? I can't think of what, what the actual name of it is. Like rock star screaming, growling. I was going to say, are you like one of those emo screamers or metal screamers? What's closer to metal? (laughs) So I mean, totally just blew Wesley up. Yeah, I I feel like I have to explain it though. Why an industrial band had metal had to do the growling? It's because in New Orleans in the late '90s, music came in two flavors. Like jazz and blues, like New Orleans music, and extreme metal. And that was it. There was nothing else in the middle. And so if you're not doing jazz and blues, or you weren't doing extreme metal, you didn't have a gig. And so uh, we're an industrial band, and we're heavy, like a little heavy. And I was like, maybe if I start screaming. (laughs) (laughs) And did that work? Yeah, we started playing at Zeppelin's and like all the, you know, the the stinky dudes in black walk there to see like Soul and Green. We're all like, cool, a chick with a sparkly guitar and she can growl. She can growl. It's awesome. I I think you should do more of it. That's just my opinion. I'm working on a goth cover of Shiver and Shake by Ryan Adams. Maybe I'll growl. Yes. A goth cover. Yes. I love it. I can't wait to <laughs> I feel like so, I missed out. I've only experienced the jazz side of New Orleans. Uh, the extreme metal side is, I mean, I Hate God, Soiling Green, Goat Whore. Um, oh, there's there's so many. Um, they're all Man. really good. Great name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Goat Whore is not death metal. That's goat whore. black metal. Goat Whore, yes. Who has... Wait. A, 
what's the oh now I'm gonna sound dumb but tell me the difference between what were the two black metal and death metal (laughs) can you tell me so death metal usually has more of a uh it's it's usually a little slower and it usually has more of a, a beat to it um that runs like the lyrically it's more like anger or very motivational anger like you know like i'm gonna make it you know think like pantera or in flames or something like that and then death metal always has a satanic stint uh, tent to it and um usually it's faster usually has a little more thrash to it metalheads will probably correct me i know there's a lot more nuances than that but that is broad strokes the difference. i mean you get to hear I, a little bit of the ground did you hear it she's saying it <laughs> yeah no i heard it <laughs> yeah. i i have been listening to Nonstop and Kanto and Taylor Swift, so I appreciate the explanation. Thank you. <laughs> I once heard an interview with my friend uh, Ben, who's a, he's a singer of Goat Horror, and he was talking about. It. He's like, well, "What kind of music do you like?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I like all kinds of music. I like you know sometimes I'll like listen to thrash, and then I'll mix it with old school Ozzy, and then I like." And I'm like, "You just named like seven metal things." <laughs> That's not all kinds of music. <laughs> it's all different music. metal. It's all different metal. That's you awesome. You like all kinds of music as long as it's metal. <laughs> I like all kinds of music except Disney soundtracks. And now I'm singing the Encanto soundtrack because you just said that. It's in my head. See what happened? Encanto is so good. I can't stop listening to it literally every single day. I can't it is stop. so good. I won't stop. Can't can't You're stop. You're so funny. <laughs> my my nephew now <laughs> sings school all for those musical songs theater. To me. Musical theater. That's what you. We talk don't talk about, about Bruno. I feel like I'm missing out. Bruno. I've only seen it once, and I fell asleep. <laughs> <gasps> uh, we have literally watched. I it. unfortunately have uh, seen it way know. too many times for a woman who has over no and over and over. <laughs> there you go. Mm, there was another uh, that. I can't think of the name of it. It's on Netflix. It was a uh, Lin Manuel uh, Miranda did the soundtrack for it. Um, it was a really cute uh, cartoon. My son really loved it. And there's a song in it. It was called like, "Dance to the Beat of My Own Drum." And my son and I used to just, like every morning we'd be like, bah, rum, bah, bah. <laughs> the whole thing. "That's awesome." <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so, what are you doing now? Does your son listen to working? your music? Yes. I'm My sorry, son's Becky. favorite band at the moment is Gojira, which makes me so proud. Like, as as a metalhead mom, I'm just like, I did it. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Wesley does these cool things with her son called Serendipity Days that I think everybody should incorporate into their lives. And I'm just going to ask you to tell everybody what they are because I think that's just so, super cool. <laughs> Yeah, we do. So we get um, we get in the car and we go. We usually have a destination in mind, and so we have different rules of serendipity. The first rule is uh, no cannot be said unless danger is involved. Then mom gets a no, but otherwise it's a yes. Uh, it used to be if tacos were available, tacos must be eaten. But we've cha- since changed that to if barbecue is available, barbecue must be eaten. And um, <laughs> we just both wise choices. Go, uh, and uh, just spend the day together and have fun. And um, sometimes we'll just go to the zoo. Sometimes we'll go hiking. Sometimes we'll go wander around the French Quarter accidentally on Voodoo Fest, which is, you know, 
how my son learns awesome things, words like blunt and gutter punk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mom fail. Um, But yeah, no, we just Uh, uh, just try to go out and have fun and experience things. That's so sweet. That's awesome. And and it sounds like... (laughs) You changing your job in the middle of your career, you know, to be able to be home more and be with your son and do all these things. I mean, how cool that you get to do serendipity days and still get to work in the industry and do that kind of stuff, I think, is. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, my hats are off to, like, moms who are my professional engineers and, you know, make it happen. I just... I don't know that I have that much energy in my body, <laughs> my body. but uh, no, it's um, it's much, it's nice to, you know, have a nine to five. And now I, we work from home now since the pandemic and, you know, mm-hmm. as a single mom, it's really nice. It's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, low pressure. Just my commute is from upstairs to downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Such a long commute. <laughs> I know. I can walk my kid to school every day. It's great. It's awesome. That's wonderful. It's super cool. So what's coming up for Wesley and uh, Personas and all that? Anything you can talk about? Um, we just um, launched uh, launched three audio interfaces this month, so nothing for a little bit. But um, So we launched the AudioBox Go on the 8th, and that is um, a cool little um, two-channel audio interface. It's only 80 bucks, and it comes with Studio One Prime. Uh, that's been unlocked to work with our Studio Magic plugin suite. Um, Studio One Prime usually only works with the plugins that come with it, but this one comes with all, like Plugin Boutique and Cherry Audio and all kinds of cool plugins. And um, it's a great little starter audio interface or mobile audio interface. Um, it's about the size of a mobile phone. It's real small. Um, wow. But you can still like, plug in cool. your guitar and your microphone at the same time. And then... Um, Yesterday, we launched two new Revelator products. Um, our Revelators are um, basically our audio interfaces and USB microphones that have an, a six-channel mixer built into them. Uh, they're perfect for doing like podcasts or streaming because you can bring in audio from multiple applications. And then they have all this great processing, the same processing that's in our Studio Live mixers. So it um, makes it really easy to sound great and pro right out the box. So yesterday we launched a dynamic version of our condenser microphone, and that's a Revelator Dynamic. And then we also um, came out with this new, um, the IO44, which is um, has a guitar input, a mic input. Um, you can plug in a headset microphone if you want into it. Um, and then it also has a stereo, uh, line input for like DJ mixers and stuff like that. Just a great little mobile streaming, um, interface and, uh, all very affordable. The most expensive one of uh, the most expensive of the revelators is only one ninety nine. So pretty cool stuff. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. The, I, none, I don't think any of our listeners know this, but like when we first started the podcast, I had absolutely no recording software or anything like that and reached out to Wesley and she gave sound girl some personas studio one stuff that we edited on for a while and i still use and i will continue to use because it's awesome um there's so many really cool things you can do within the studio one software in the is it called the sphere or something um well studio studio one is part of persona sphere persona sphere is our um our uh, membership platform um studio one you can buy perpetual license for it's like has three different editions so what 
Prime is free for anybody. If you just want to check out Studio One, you can just get Prime. Then we have Artist that comes with all of our audio interfaces, over $99. Um, that gives you some more features. That Artist is actually perfect for just about anybody who's just mixing. Um, and it comes with a great suite of plugins, works with third-party plugins too. And then we have Professional, um, which gives you a bunch more things like harmonic editing and an arranger track and live looping and all kinds of stuff. Plus a mastering page that's built into it. That's integrated where you can just drag in your studio one song right into the mastering session and then it updates it. So you can go back before back and forth between mixing and mastering, which is great if you're not super, you know, you're not at a super high level. Sometimes you're like, mastering something you realize oh my god the guitar is too loud i have to fix it and um you can go back and fix it um without you know tearing down your whole album that you've been mastering which is really great and then um studio one five we launched uh, the new show page which is a performance um integrated performance page so it's just like the uh project page which is the mastering section uh you can send your vst uh settings over to the show page so if you want to perform with your uh, virtual instruments live or add loops or your you know channel strips you can just send that right up to the show page and then um persona sphere um you get studio one professional Plus just about every other piece of software we make, including Notion, which is our notation application, all of our plugins, tons of loops. But then inside the platform, there's like all these master classes. So you can learn about everything from ex- sampling external instruments to like just basic mixing. Um, and then there's these collaboration tools, these workspaces where you can share files with other users. And then in January, we just launched the, um, the new community feature, which lets you connect with other members and find people to collaborate with. And you can showcase your mixes or you can ask for feedback, which, which is pretty cool. So that's, um, and that's 15 bucks a month. You get all that. So that's, that's a, a cool value, especially for someone who, maybe needs some help learning and doesn't have a lot of, you know, plugins already and just wants to get started. It's kind of the, it's kind of Personas' jam. We always try to give people who are in the beginning to intermediate, you know, area, all the tools they need to, to sound like a pro and to be professional, but not have to spend all the money for it. That's fantastic. It's so awesome. The oh. first uh, interface I ever had was a Personas. I think I might still have it somewhere in my closet. It's like a dinosaur now, but it still works <laughs> and it still sounds amazing. You know, like I, I, I never had a problem with it. Not one problem. And then I think the first church that I worked in, we did multi-track recording through a Personas, you know, interface that was like, I don't know, eight channels or something like that. And that was before all this nonsense started <laughs> with digital everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's kind of the, yeah yeah it's amazing to me we still get every once in a while we get a complaint from somebody who's like i upgraded my computer and it doesn't have firewire on it because firewire has been discontinued for a decade and um yeah. <laughs> and they're like now i can't connect my fire pod i'm like your fire pod's 20 years old i think you, you think you might want to upgrade like it could be time to like you know upgrade but they're still they they want their fire pod it sounds so good yeah, they oh still gosh. sound great. So. <laughs> you rattled off all this stuff when I said, what is Personas up to? And you went I know. down this list and I was like, good Lord, Wesley, how busy are you? Like, I'm, you just t- sitting I'm here so and chilled. She had it all right there. I told you, her brain is like, <laughs> like, 
like I couldn't even fit half that into like a notebook and remember to bring the notebook to read it, let alone all like recite it all. Like it just blows my mind. It's I I I am an expert in all things personas. <laughs> I mean, obviously, well, it's a good thing you work for them. Then it is. It is. Yeah, that's some job security, though. Like, I don't I feel like no one else would know all of the things like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes people like we just ask Wesley. She'll remember. I'm like, and if I forget <laughs> someday, someday, that's not going to be as recallable. I will have other things in my brain. <laughs> I would love no. to hear more about your Clementine Toledano mysteries. Is it a series or is it, it is. a single book? No, it's a series of six. I'm finishing up the seventh book right now, and then it'll be that will be the end of it. Um, it's a set of noir murder mysteries set in New Orleans. Um, centers around Clementine Toledano, who is a singer in a band called Cutie and the Beasts. Sure, her nickname is Q, and. Um, so she's an accidental detective. Um, the first book starts out where the drum, they're hauling out the hardware case for the drums at the end of the night and a dead body falls out. <laughs> so Whoa! That's kind of uh, how it starts. And then, um, you know, it goes through everything. She becomes really good friends with the NOPD detective and that's, you know, connects her to more murders. But eventually in book six it becomes a joke because she keeps she keeps finding dead bodies she's like what am i you know a corpse magnet and like yeah so <laughs> so book where, can we find, <laughs> where can we find these books uh they're avo- they're available on uh amazon and uh, if you want to mm-hmm. read about them you can go to my website which is uh com. amazing cool. we'll put all that all stuff in the there. show notes so you can I'll go there and read wonderful, awesome oh, stories yeah. written by the amazing Wesley. Yeah. How did you get into Wesley? writing books with all of your other amazing things? Um, well, I, I was always writing music. And then after my son was born, my studio became the nursery. And um, I've always been kind of a creative person. And it was difficult for me to lose that. And I was had just finished up... Um, the last Harry Dresden book, which is Jim Butcher's awesome series about a wizard detective. And um, I was like, man, I want another book like that. I want a book that's like Veronica Mars. It's all snarky and has like badass women <laughs> doing badass things and couldn't find it. And for some reason, I started remembering about my drummer uh, who every time we hauled out the hardware case, he would make the same joke. It was, she was a good old girl, but I just had to go and kill her like every single time. And... <laughs> Wow. I was like, what would that dude have done if at the end of a gig, a dead body rolled out of the case? And so I got to, I got home from work and I started writing and I wrote the first 50 pages of the first book in like one go. And then I sat there for a while until I read uh, Kitchen Confidential uh, by uh, um, uh, Tony Bourdain. And um, I was like, man. If this coked out chef can write a book <laughs> picked up by the New Yorker, <laughs> I can write a book. And so I finished my book and <laughs> then I just kept going. So I don't <laughs> So thank you, Tony awesome. Bourdain, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah. You make me laugh so hard. I love it. So <laughs> Where do we go from here? I think we should probably wrap it up. We're running out of time, aren't we? We could just talk to Wesley all day. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, Susan's Toast. puppy is gonna on the podcast. The dog oh my goodness! Is what breathing. a puppy! Look at that! I want okay, someone look at to how look at he me looks. the way Susan's dog is looking at her right now. <laughs> exactly. I am That's the exactly love how I feel every time I see that dog. That dog just looks at her like, and then he does this eye roll thing. Look at where he'll look at her like, "Mom, can we be done? Can can you come play with me now?" It's the cutest yet saddest look I've ever seen. Mom, I love you so much. This I is longing. Zoom call, like, oh. I think yesterday or the day before, and he just like he was like, "We're done working," and so he kept bringing the ball over, and I just throw the ball. I didn't even turn off my video. I was just like, "We're look at this. This meeting is taking too long." <laughs> That's what he's doing right now. You said it's ball, like, oh, and now it's on. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah. We're yeah. gonna have to wrap this up now, or he's gonna take over the podcast. <laughs> Wesley, if you had some advice you wanted to give the younger generation, what would you say to them? What can you tell our youngins? Um, uh, for years, I've always said the same thing is to just, um, you know, whatever your passion is, just go and pursue it and don't let anybody stop you. Um, and um, I think as women in many in many industries, not just in ours, like we get imposter syndrome that we're not smart enough or we're not really qualified to do it. And that is not true. The best piece of advice I ever got when I was working in the industry was um, from a friend who worked in the movie industry. And he said, whatever they ask you, if you know how to do something, just say yes. And if you don't know how to do something, close the door after they hire you and get on the internet. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> That was very good advice, and I took it, and I was like, I can't do that. That's lying. He's like, that's what dudes do. That's what you should do. And uh, he was right, and I'm glad I followed his advice. Um, uh, now, especially since I've met everybody in Sound Girls, I would say also find you know other women in the industry and allies. Um, that's the best thing I can see in the industry that's changed is all these wonderful organizations that help you know smaller groups of us. Um, finding Sound Girls for me, like brought me to Becky and, um, our group of friends, which has been so special to me. And, um, just having that connection with other women and knowing that this struggle that you have is the same that other people are experiencing is really helpful. So, um, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, you're already like halfway there to having a, a good time in the audio industry because sound girls is just, it's tops in my book. So Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Cool. Thank you so much for joining us, Wesley. Uh, I love you, dude. You're like my bud. I love you, too. I love that you joined us and talked about all your amazingness. And we can just dive deeper. Go get Wesley's books. Stalk her because she stalks others. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about the stalking thing earlier. And I, I think it's maybe if we reframe it a little bit, we could say, like, use the resources that you have at your disposal to get the job that you want. That's what I call it stalking. I wasn't stalking per se. I was using my talent and knowledge as a researcher for the notarial archives mm-hmm. to pursue the job that I wanted. Perfect. It's, better. it's all so about wise. the spin, right? It sounds less criminal and less like Trent will call me up and be like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I would like Trent to call me up and be like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Trent to call you up. Yeah. Just saying. That's For still anything. a cool story, no matter what. Can you give him my number? 
married Becky and has like a bazillion kids. Oh, all right, never mind. That's Fine. so many kids. I can't. <laughs> he does. I mean, so many Wouldn't kids. Wouldn't you? Just saying. I mean, I'm a one and done no. lady. I, my head is off to Mary Queen. That's good. <laughs> right? They're watching Encanto 24 <laughs> 7. So much Encanto. And on that note, we're going to go. You know. It's better. It's better than Frozen, though, because you you could have had a daughter at that Touché. age group, and then you have to watch Frozen twenty four seven. And it can't Encanto's way better. No, I had a son who made me Touché. watch Frozen twenty four seven. He loves Frozen. Oh yeah. Well, Olaf is. Come on, the, I mean He's the man. And then Kristoff is the what's his name? Oh, what's Kristoff's real name? He's so dreamy. I don't know. I don't know. Hot cartoon boy. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt something. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. He was uh he was the king uh, in Hamilton. He was the English king in Hamilton. I have never seen Hamilton. And, and he's the guy in Mindhunters. <laughs> he's the thing. <laughs> We're working. How we have you- things to do. I'm disappointed. How did I skip that one? I know. Uh, Susan looks so sad right now. Because okay, there is a reason I have never seen Hamilton. And I'm... Same. Jonathan Groth. No, I, I th- it's uh, because my dear sweet nephew, who is... I love him so much, went through a Hamilton phase when he lived with me when he was in seventh grade. And I have listened to that soundtrack so much <laughs> that by the time Disney was finally like, hey... Hamilton, you can see it, the real thing. And I was like, sweet. And I sat down and I listened to two songs. I was like, nope, not going to do it. <laughs> I've heard this enough. Even though it's amazing and they're so cool and they're doing everything. So, I mean, you're kind of showing me that on I'm not Broadway. a normal person. I know people who love Broadway musicals. <laughs> I am just not one of them, Susan. I did. I That's went through okay. my phase. I like was obsessed with, like, I've seen Les Mis like seven times. Phantom of the Opera like three Same. times, like you know, nineties mm-hmm. Broadway all in. The nineties Broadway definitely was like a peak, and now we're just getting it yeah. again because of Lin Manuel Miranda. And that's, yeah, that's it. I mean, I was yeah. super into it, and then I hate to say it, but a, a man named Trent Reznor ruined it all for me because I was like, oh, the darkness is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> Your goth side took over. I see why you would have liked Phantom. Then that's definitely oh, yeah. like the goth kids. Dude, <laughs> It was. Oh my Me god. Too. So was yeah. Lay Miz, the too. little girl like Hans <clears throat> Castle oh. on the cloud. <laughs> oh she kills me every time. Every time I cry. And I've seen it a thousand times. Yeah. I haven't seen Hamilton because I was gonna go see it in New York City and then tour something happened and I I just had to give up my tickets. And then pandemic. So, yeah, and then pandemic. And I didn't oh. want to go see it in a local theater because I work in all these local theaters and I just didn't want to do that. So I haven't seen it live, so someday, but the pandemic kind of fucked all of that. Ah, pandemic. Wesley, thank you so much for joining us today. What a goddamn pleasure. Thank you so much, Susan. Thanks, Becky. My cheeks are literally sore from smiling. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. Thank you so much. And your advice was awesome. Everything about you is awesome. We appreciate you. And love you. Love you. Thank you so much, guys. It was great talking to y'all. 
Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. The Sound Girls Living History Project is a collection of oral history interviews that highlights the careers and achievements of women and underrepresented groups in audio. One of the interviews is with Stephanie Brown, a sound editor and dialogue and ADR supervisor, known for her work on The Incredible Hulk, 8 Mile, A Wrinkle in Time, and many others. Working on The Matrix was probably my favorite because at the time we didn't know what that movie was going to be, but we knew something was going to happen. And to see the phenomenon that movie became was amazing. And then to be involved in the sequels it's still the highlight of my career is just being involved in that. Be sure and catch the full interview with Stephanie Brown, along with all the other Living History interviews, over on the Sound Girls website or YouTube channel.